you know, I just feel like music is this thing that historically, you know, been a way for people to connect outside of the structures of society, you know, like back in the dark ages, you know, they weren't allowed to sing harmonies in the churches. You had to sing all the same note together and harmonies were the devil's music. And then in the woods, there's all these minstrels running around and they're kind of like, you know, stealing food and playing and trying to get money where they can. And they're the outlaws, you know, and they're, and so they're like, screw it. We're going to do harmony. We are broadcasting live from our journey through Buckland into the old forest over Barrow Downs, beyond the inn at Breetown, down the east road, stopping briefly at Rivendell, into Mirkwood Forest, and eventually to Erebor, into a wooden shed at the bottom of a lonely mountain. I'm Matt Carl. I'm Norma Landy. I'm producer Chris. Josh Bowie. And, uh... What, David yeah. Bowie's here? Was I supposed to say that? Yes, yes, yes. Hey, could you talk a little louder or get us back uh, quicker, closer to the microphone or something? Yep, I'm in mic. I'm in. La- I'm in closer now. Nice. Cool. All oh. right. Yeah, yeah. We can turn you up uh, uh, in the start if you. I didn't quite hear you at the start. Uh, yeah, we're with uh, Josh Bowie, yeah, uh, musician, and uh, you you have a recording studio. You record people's stuff, and then you also have been in a ton of bands. This is supposed to be released around the time of your album coming out, right. so, okay, so it, will be, it will be. It will be not even yet. supposed to be. Right, <laughs> right. Supposedly, the record will be released in April. Um, yeah, I'm just taking my time to get it properly mastered. And, you know, I, I feel like that's a step. A lot of people are like, oh, I can master it myself, you know, on Ranger or something. But I, th- I feel like it's this, like, final, important, polished step that just makes everything sound good. And, like, you can you can rely on it once it's mastered properly. I like to take it over to um, Jeff Lipton at Peerless Mastering in Newton. He's a great guy. Cool. And, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I'm saving up for that because, of course, it costs money. But um, yeah. So, so the yeah, I'm pretty excited about the record coming out. And uh, what? Just really? to remind remind people, uh, this is Unicorn Meadow. Yeah, it's going to be called Unicorn Meadow. The project is, or slash band is also called Unicorn Meadow. And um, yeah, I mean, I've been in a, a, a bunch of different bands over the years. Um, and this is kind of, you know, some of the songs I've actually played with some of these other bands, like as long ago as 20 years ago, but we never recorded them. And then other songs mm-hmm. are things that I've just sort of had in the archives, you know, as demos. And I kind of pulled them out and dusted them off and um, re-recorded some of them from scratch, you know, using a drum machine. And then I also had some... Uh, kind of impromptu performances that I'd done with uh, members of other bands and friends. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I'll be including, you know, some, some of those impromptu performances, late night, kind of midnight stuff on the record. Um, Yeah. It was just kind of cool to like kind of pull these things out and say, wow, you know, I could use this demo if I like put some more stuff on here, if I put real drums on it or if I, you know, get somebody to play a real guitar solo or, you know, because a lot of times I would like put in a little keyboard noodle to kind of show what, where the solo should go or whatever. And then I was like, wait, that, that right. keyboard noodle's kind of cool. Hey, we forgot to ask what everybody's drinking. Chris, have you made some sort of concoction? Yeah, I'm not sure if I had this one on here before, but um, yeah, I made a weird ripoff of kind of a Fernet Branca type thing using oh, wow. all this mint from my backyard and um a lot of gentian root and some wormwood and different spices including kubab of course course. and then um yeah and then uh mix that with coke so it's basically like a fernet and coke nice does the wormwood do any uh uh thing to you like no no that's all that was just like a you know 
absinthe was like the crack epidemic of the late 1800s or something. Yeah. You know, people were just all like, oh, my God. Well, I guess I guess crack does do something to you. But, um, <laughs> you know, people, people were freaking out over it more so than they had to. You know, just yeah. like drinking absinthe will do something to you, but it's not like it's a billion, like a million times worse than getting drunk on something else. So, well, I, yeah. I, it did something to me. <laughs> what did it do? I had, I had absinthe once. It was at the Beachcomber. Remember that place? I mean, yes, I didn't have of course. It at the Beachcomber. It was on the beach part. And, uh, I know the Beachcomber. Yeah, and they, they had like a bonfire on the beach. Nice. After the show, I, we played with some people, and then we went down the beach and had this big bonfire, and like all these people in the bands were there, and like uh, it was really fun. But yeah, somebody had made their own absinthe using wormwood and stuff, and nice. gave me a couple of sips. And oh, a homebrew! Yeah, it was a homebrew, and like yeah. I felt like I was walking up the, you know, there's a big like angled kind of sandy dune. Right there, you know, they have to keep moving the beachcomber every year because it gets more eroded. Right. And I'm like walking right. up that, and like each each time I take a step, my feet, my foot is like sinking all the way into the sand, like to the middle of the earth. And then the next step <laughs> is the same thing, and it's in the moon and the waves, and yeah, it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you probably shouldn't be talking about drugs on your show. Yeah, that never happens. Never yeah. happens. <laughs> that only happens like every, every other time. Yeah. yeah, I had a uh, interesting absinthe experience at this place in a uh, Big Sur uh, band I was in played a show with Dead Meadow, and uh, Dead Meadow, one of the, huh? Dead Meadow. Yeah, Dead Meadow. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we uh, one of the band members, like one of the keyboardists, brought some absinthe and. Uh, that was like my first time having some and dead meadow had like a huge fog machine. And I can remember just staring into that fog and <laughs> it was really intense. It was far more intense than it should have been. So, so how much absence did you drink? I didn't have that much. I maybe really? two, two glasses. So oh. it wasn't the alcohol. Huh? So it wasn't the alcohol. No, no, it, it definitely didn't feel like alcohol at all. So it's not like when you get to the bottom of the tequila and eat like no. a mezcal worm. No, you're totally wasted by the end of it. Yeah. You know what I noticed about tequila is I can yeah. drink a lot of it and even get sick and like not be hungover when it's tequila. It's like there's something about that cactus that we're meant to be able to absorb. There's a lot of higher quality tequilas out there now. I mean, I used to drink rot gut tequila in the day, and no, no, and, uh, you got to drink the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I, I like it. Like it's nice, and I can just easily drink the the rot gut I used to drink in the day. Mm. Oh my god, man! Oh, what a drag me out of the bar. Yeah, rot gut <laughs> yeah. anything will affect you. You could get a hangover from rot gut soda. Yeah, yeah. It's it's right. weird that you think something called rock gut would affect you badly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would just I would just drink the house tequila. Yeah, and I and I, I was there like uh, with my early twenties with my buddies, and uh, I just it was my birthday, so everybody's giving me the, the tequila shots. I'm just drinking the house tequila. I think I had like fifteen Oof. shots and a bunch of beers, and like I, you know, I felt normal. You know how you're just sitting on a bar stool all night. It was in like a super dive bar in the in Fenway area, and I stood, I like I, I felt normal until I stood up. I stood up, and I was like, "Whoa, fuck!" And I and I fell, and I like cleared. There was all these empty bottles on this fucking like bar, like not like the bar, but a bar, like. And I just, I went to grab the bar and I knocked all the bottles. They smashed everywhere. And then I see these two big fucking bouncers coming towards me because this was a bar where they had to throw a lot of freaking people out. And I'm like, holy shit, I got to get out of here. But I could barely fucking walk. I mean, I wasn't driving you guys. So, uh, I somehow freaking got the hell out of there before they killed me. So that was good. Yeah, it's always good to get away before the beating starts. Right, or right. the murder. Yes, exactly. Yes. yes. Yeah, the bounces were massive. <laughs> and like, oh, shit. Yeah. This ain't going to, you know how, like, when you do something, you're like, this ain't going to be good. 
Yeah. Like the time my my buddies came to visit me. I lived down in Florida for a while, down in uh, um, Osceola, Florida. And uh, yeah, my buddies came down and like there was this place and it was called the Booby Trap. And oh it was two domes. It was two domes connected by blinking lights in the shape of a brazier. Nice. Right. Yeah. And so we all go in and we're like nerdy Dungeons and Dragons playing like computer nerds. And so we go into this place and we're sitting there, girls dance around, and they come over to you and they're like, hey, you know, you want to dance? You want to dance? We, I'm like, we didn't even know what that meant. Like they meant a lap, <laughs> lap dance, but we were like, I'm, I'm not dancing. <laughs> and then like one of my buddies was like, oh, I'll be right back. <clears throat> he leaves. And then another one of my friends like, oh, I'm going to go see what's up with the, you know. And then next thing you know, I'm sitting there by myself. And like all these girls coming up to me like, hey, you want to dance? You want to dance? And I was like, I don't know. This is crazy. And I like finally left and they're all in the parking lot, like laughing at me for having stayed in there for five minutes. so it was really awkward and uncomfortable and not at all like on tv you didn't know the rules yeah was it the middle of the day was it one of those it's the middle of the day and you're there (laughs) you come out and it's all sunny yeah yeah. (laughs) you know you're wasting your life exactly well you guys can edit that part out I don't know, man. That's a good. No, story. no, that's a keeper. Gold, that's a keeper. Right? I mean, you, if you want me to edit it out, I will. But uh, that's a that's a keeper, man. Holy All right. crap! All right. I don't uh, know how we got on that. I think it was the beer. Sorry, I bring this out in people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you clearly do, my friend. Uh, I heard you went on tour, uh, like in bands and stuff like that. You could probably well, talk about that. I never. That's, I never actually home. toured. I don't want to, you know, like oversell the, you know, like it, it was kind of like I was, um, when I was in high school, I would go into town either to go to like zero gravity skateboard park, which is in this big building down in Cambridge. And that we would go downtown for that. And because we had a couple of older friends who had buddies who were in bands and so we would go downtown. We were like 16, 17. And like back then they didn't really card. And so you could get in if you kind of, you know, they would just kind of roll their eyes and let you in. Or you could carry it like a drum. If you knew somebody in a band, then you could get in. And so that's what we did. And all my friends were in bands. And I just never thought of myself as a musician. Um, and then, uh, and it wasn't until like later in life, like I was 30 or something. And a friend of mine was like, didn't you used to play the bass? And um, I was like, yeah, I kind of messed around. And he's like, well, you know, I, I want to start a band. And and uh, he had a loft, and I ended up moving in with him right across the street from the Middle East. And this was in like, <laughs> yeah, this is nice. like the very, the very late 80s. And so we started this band. It was called Chango Macho. And uh, we named it after one of those candles that you can get that are in the glass. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so Chango Macho is this Espiritu de Good Luck or something. Um, the Spirit of Good Luck. And anyways, so we named our band that. And then that's cool. And then we couldn't get booked anywhere because everybody thought we were like this salsa kind of band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but what would happen is like the middle there would be a, a blizzard, and the bands wouldn't show up at the Middle East, and our our uh, singer was like dating the booking agent or something. And he'd be like, Hey, why don't you guys come over and play? And so we would like haul our amps across the street and we would play at the middle East all the time. And so I actually got to learn how to be in a band. Like we were terrible. We were terrible. Uh, That sounds like an amazing experience. (laughs) It was amazing. It was just really cool because it like, it wasn't this whole like, Oh, we got to get good enough first. Like we sucked, but we got to get on the stage and learn how to plug in and tune and we, you know, we weren't even that good at that, but, you know, <laughs> right. we didn't know the names of the instruments and we were all art students kind of, right. um, not kind of, I think two of us were art students. And so, you know, it was kind of like performance art. Right. And uh, yeah, exactly. It was art rock. And, you know, I was in art school at the time and taking kind of recording classes and stuff like that. And were you going to mass art? Mass art. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. I was at museum school during that time. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Wow. We might have known each other. We may have. Yeah. (laughs) And for uh, people who don't know, the Middle East East is a, uh, it's like a restaurant and a place where people gig in uh, Central Square. Yeah. Yeah. In uh, in, uh, Cambridge. And it's a really, it's a really great venue to play too. So yeah, Billy Ruane is sort of the patron saint of the Middle East who got it. Yeah, got it all going. There's going to be a documentary about him. Oh, oh cool. cool. There's a guy. Um, oh, what's his name? I know him kind of through Facebook, but he's yeah, he's been working on putting together a documentary on the whole Billy Ruane story. Um, but yeah, we name checked him in one of our songs, so I think it might be in there. In in, in Ultra Breakfast, we had this song called uh, Wish List. Let it go. It's like. Uh, I want I want to meet the guys from Super Chunk. I want all my friends to stop doing junk. I want a, <laughs> I want a time machine and a lump of coal. I want Billy Ruane to save my soul. Nice. <laughs> hey, that's close. <laughs> Lots of good name drops in those I, lyrics. I yeah. I love uh, I loved living in Boston during blizzards. Those that oh, was yeah. like the best time to yeah. go to bars. I used to yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. Because all the posers are, are, are from out of the city, aren't there? Aren't and you and your yeah. friends just take over a bar, you know. Yeah. And then the city just looks beautiful, mm. you know. Yeah. Super cloud yet. And... Yeah, I miss it all so much, like the plow and you know, like I haven't been down there in a year, you know, before the pandemic. But like oh, now, God. I'm kind of like, oh shit, you know. I hope that stuff is there when we go back. Yeah. It won't yeah. be. <laughs> I know, but we'll have to start it again. Like that's the thing. Yeah. Got to. Got to keep it all going. So, so in in Central Square, I work in Central Square, and and there's a Carl works at the Neko factory. <laughs> yeah, so does it smell like candy? Yes. We used to ride down there on our bikes and smell the candy. Oh yeah, yeah. No, the whole yeah. place. But there's a place called Nako Taco, and you can for lunch we'll eat outside. Like even the other week, it's it's dead winter. I've been there. Here, and the other day. Uh, I ate outside at Naco Taco the other day. Literally, wow! It's 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 a. We're late December. We're past Christmas here, right now. I mean, I know this is coming out later, but, um, and I just ate outside at Naco Taco. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and it's it's crazy. The phenomenon of you wear a mask and then you sit at a table and you take off your mask. That's like, right. Yeah. But yeah. I, I don't go inside the restaurants. I just, I, I sit outside and I like once a week, once every couple of weeks and eat at Naco Taco. Yeah. We all ate at a restaurant a couple of like a month ago. And it was like this big adventure, you know, to eat outside and <laughs> you know, it was kind of cold. It wasn't that bad, yeah. but it was windy and everybody's looking at each other weird and, it was strange, but it was good. It like it felt like so fulfilling, kind of. It was weird. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah so we should all like be. In your restaurant. Yeah, but you know, like I'm just. I think we should be like planning the parties now. You know, like yeah. I want to have a big old lawn party and have the cops come. You know what I mean? Like, fuck yeah. Well, I mean, we're still like, in the middle of it all, so right. But I don't like, think it's we happening. We got to plan the soon. summer. We got to plan the summer. Uh, what about the ultra breakfast where you got you were telling us like you got signed in your first gig? Yeah, it was kind of funny. I mean, it wasn't a big label or anything, but um, yeah, we uh, this was kind of an offshoot of that other band I was telling you about, um, and had one of the same members and. Basically, what happened was we we had put together some songs. We were playing in the loft, and um, we're like, let's just make a record. Let's just see what we could do. And so we recorded three songs. And uh, anyway, so we had this this single, and and we 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 had it made on vinyl, and it was like on clear vinyl, and it had kind of a cool cover. It had like we took some image from a magazine of this like little girl biting on an apple and like Xeroxed it 20 times and, you know, like did all this art school stuff to it. And then uh, we're like, okay, well, when we got the box of records, we're like, okay, what do we do now? I don't know. And so we like got a gig. And so we had this show coming up and and our friends who were in Crazy Alice, do you remember them? No. 
Okay. Anyway, <laughs> this band. And they were like, oh, yeah, why don't you play one of our shows? And so they had a Saturday night show coming up. And um, my, uh, my drummer and I, this girl, Kristen, who knew a lot of people and very popular, and she's like, oh, I know, uh, I know this guy at um, WZBC. Let's go. Nice. Let's, uh, let's just go. And so we like walk in and there's somebody like, oh, you can't go in there, kind of. You know, we're like, oh, you know, it's all good. It's all good. And we kind of bluff our way in. And, and, you know, he's like, oh, Kristen, cool. What are you up to? And she's like, oh, we just made this record. And he's like, let's put it on. <laughs> and he puts it on. He plays all three songs. It was a single. Nice. But, like, the second side was, like, 33 and a third. So you could fit two songs on. And so, like, he started at the wrong speed and everything. But so he interviewed us while he was playing it. And then he loved it. And he was like plug in the show that we were going to do like all week on ZBC. Nice. And um, so, yeah, then we get there Saturday night and we're playing at like nine o'clock and the place is packed and there's a line because they've been like plugging the show. And nice. uh, we get out there to like a packed Middle East and play. And it was upstairs, but it was still packed. And um, yeah, and we played the show and I think we were pretty terrible, but there was just like really good energy and a yeah. lot of laughter and, you know, we're messing around. I think uh, the drummer, Kristen, was wearing like this big, um, like ballet skirt thing, you know, that was all tulle. That's cool. Yeah. And and like it kept interfering with the drums. So she was just kind of like, oh, the tool, the tool. And she had like a headset mic on. She's really funny. And so I don't know. It was just like one of these great shows. And, and after the show, there there was this guys who had, were starting a new label, Catapult Records. Mm-hmm. And they they came up to us basically after the show and and signed us. Nice. And we were wow. Like, that's it. That's all you have to do. You play one yeah. show. Right. At the Middle East upstairs. Force your way on the radio. Well, right. you have a charismatic girl drummer, right? That, and, that's it. Who can actually that play. That is pretty much it. Yeah, and that's it's, all you really need. And then you go, you walk into the like it was just like sort of like a fairy tale. It didn't seem real, right. you know. Right. And you, and I mean, but it's kind of like you kind of made your own scene, right? So yeah, I guess so. Yeah, we made a scene, and and it was interesting because, um, you know, after that, I really started to look, and there were all these bands that were so much more deserving than us that were like just incredible bands that like never got that chance to like go in and make a record that's paid for, you know, and that's. Yeah. Best experience you can possibly have is to go into the studio with a rack of songs and like that. It's the coolest thing ever, you know. Oh, it's great. And so it, I, I feel really fortunate to experience that. I think there was a lot of luck involved, you know. It was, and these guys, you know, they were like from the West Coast and they weren't really Boston people, and they signed a bunch of people actually, really good people like Trona and uh, Cherry Two Thousand. And like a whole bunch of really good bands from Boston. And then they kind of blew up, like they didn't really follow through. And I think, you know, there were various reasons for that. And they blew up in a bad way. Yeah, I guess so. Not blew up like they blew up. up Like they became like Capitol Records or something. No, they, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just a couple of guys, nice guys. And they, you know, but, but they were out of business school and, you know, but for us, it didn't matter. We were just like, oh, this is amazing. You know? Yeah. Right. And and getting to go in and you know like with Paul Coldery and at Fort Apache and like you know have uh, you know like Carl Plaster come and tune the drums for us and like oh, you know really? yeah it was just amazing it was totally cool and really? so you know and I had friends who were in bands and stuff and so I just like loved the whole everything about it you know um, hanging around and it was like my social life. Yeah, that's we weren't we weren't an important band at all. Like I think we were we were also Rans, you know. And I think we were kind of a you know, there was a certain shtick or whatever we were doing. But you know, it really like we really enjoyed making the music and the process and being in the studio and playing you know, playing shows was almost like secondary. And so yeah, I just always loved the process and then you know, that eventually kind of just fell apart. The the label went away and you know, we were just all sort of like moving on to the next thing. Right. But, um, but yeah, so that, that was a cool experience to have had. And then, you know, the, the next thing I was in was kind of like more of a, 
that was sort of a power pop punk kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a record up on uh, Spotify you can get. Um, Ultra Breakfast Ice Cream Tricycle. Nice. Like, I'm typing it in now. I'll get that. That's yeah. awesome. Um, I feel bad because they Spotify. I love Spotify, but they rip off the freaking artists so much. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything I've, I mean, I've put stuff up before there was Spotify on different things. And people would just, you'd find some random website with your songs on it. Yeah. You know. Um, and I mean, and it's that with everything. Like, I've made comics and there are PDF downloads of my comics that people just share. Right, so, that they just put up I, on Facebook. Yeah, and it's just, I, I kind of look at it as like, well, at least it's getting out there. Well, yeah. I, I got it. Yeah. I got yeah. out for breakfast, ice cream tricycle on on, uh, on uh, Spotify now. Nice. nice. Yeah, that's What's a good the, one. It's it's cool because, like, I don't know. I'm like, that was us? You know, we're kind of like, I don't know. It's funny. You'll enjoy it. Hey, let's hear your song. Oh, uh, you want me to play a song? No, uh, well, oh, I was going to play. Where I Want to Be from your album. This is from uh, Unicorn Meadow, right? That's right. This is the upcoming it's album. the new thing. World exclusive. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, this is a, the debut of this tune. This is unmastered uh, early uh, mix. All right. All right, let's, let's hear it. Sometimes I feel like anything is possible. Other times, it's like I'm dying. These times have gone and changed. Maybe it's time to get away. This day is but a dream. Baby. anything is possible yeah another time i mean and that's totally like great sentiment yeah it's I, like sometimes it's exactly how i feel like sometimes i think oh shit anything's possible and then other times i'm just a fucking train wreck yeah yep you know <laughs> yeah but then the song has a like a very kind of like easy feel to it it's like a you know like an eternal summer song you know it, it kind of like has a feeling of like a 
camper van Beethoven or like a Galaxy 500 song where it's it's just like a song you put on because you just want to chill, enjoy the day, nice. and not have any problems. Wow. So I, it has a great feel. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, like the lyrics are different than the song. You know what I mean? Like, right. like the. Well, no, but that's it's, that's it's awesome. That's what I like. I don't about feel it. like those lyrics are even negative. It's just, no, just right. like, yeah. Sometimes I feel this way. Sometimes I feel this way. Yeah. And you know, but the I'm song makes that. you feel like this is a day where anything's possible. Yeah. Do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's and everything's cool. kind of lining up. Sweet. That's yeah. great. At least that's what that's I got. Great. No, no, that's great to hear what people get from it. I mean, that's the, the idea, you yeah. know, is to kind of put these things out there and hope they have some universal reverberation to them. Um, yeah, and, it, you know, like I, uh, there's a, that line at the beginning and the end, you know, and then, like, I, I sort of feel like this day is but a dream, you know. It's kind of like we're all, <laughs> you know, <laughs> drifting down the stream all together. Um, right. And so, like, I feel like this one kind of, it was written before the pandemic, but I feel like it kind of, I don't know. It feels like every song I've ever written is about the pandemic. <laughs> like I've been mean, going back to like old material. I'm like, this one's about the pandemic too. I knew right. what was going to happen. Well, it's, yeah. it's like the event was so large that it colors everything that happened before it and yeah, after it. Exactly. You know? It's, it's weird, but you know, it sort of takes on a different portent or something like yeah. that. I mean, um, like with the pandemic, I'm like an artist. So I, I like to have time to do stuff like right. like art stuff on my own. So, I mean, but I also want to go out like I You also don't like people getting sick and dying all Yeah, the time. yeah, and I also don't like right. people dying. And I also don't <laughs> like everything like shut down and blah blah blah. You want like But but I get it. You're Sometimes also it's like good to have some moment of reflection. Well, not just reflection, but like fuck it, I might die. You know, like so, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead off with a bass solo. Fuck y'all. You know what I mean? Like on that song, <laughs> yeah. I was just like, I'm like, I'm a bass player. Like I, I learned how to play guitar yeah. so I could write songs and stuff. But like I, I started out as a bass player, and I'm like, I'm gonna play bass on the song. And I, I put there's two bass lines on there. There's like the the low yeah. one, and then there's the high one that does the solo. And I was just like, that's what I'm, that's what I'm gonna do. Why not? Like there's a certain why not right. going right now. Yes, that's how I feel. I think that I think that might sum it up. I feel like why not? Why not? Because we're all gonna freaking be, you know, dust. worm food. Yeah, eventually. exactly. So that's how. I mean, at some what? point, I, that's why I was like, why not do a freaking podcast, even though we're completely unqualified? Yes, let's just I do mean, it. You're more qualified than anybody because of that. You, you know, yeah, like you're exactly. doing it for the right reason. <laughs> hey. Yeah. What? Uh, so you talked about the pandemic, and you you have this album coming out called Unicorn Meadow, uh, and and I you've talked previously on a different episode about how you wanted to be like this positive thing, this this like outpouring of love for the world. I mean, like, how has the pandemic affected this album? Because I know you said a lot of these songs were from before the pandemic, right? Well, I think I think what it's affected is what I want to emphasize. You know, you get to emphasize different things by the song order, by, you know, adding a new song that really is about right now. Um, yeah. Is, you know, um, by kind of like performing the songs now with this new energy of the pandemic. I mean, it's not really about the pandemic at all, but it's about, you know, life and, and no. these you know, things that people go through and relationships and it's about, you know, like where I want to be is about like really putting in the time, you know, you have some extra time. So put in the time on where you are, like your, your situation isn't perfect. Well, Hey, you got an extra chunk of time every day. Let's, let's do something with that. Let's work on it. Let's put the work in, Yeah, you know, and it, it sort of feels like, all those things you've been talking about and then you like put on Netflix instead. Like it just feels like this yeah. urgency, urgency right now to like make the art while we can. It's weird. Dude, you want to, you were talking about playing live. You want to play a live song now? So this is the song that's in progress. Andy Sanaspago and I are working on it right now. Um, nice. Using this kind of remote process. And we're, um, you know, he had a couple of suggestions for, how to program the drum machine and um you know 
some uh, song arrangement things that I haven't quite implemented yet. So the ultimate version of this will be different. Uh, we're proud to show a sketch, though. Right, exactly. And uh, the other thing about the song that's kind of interesting is it turned out to be kind of a uh, LGBTQ anthem. Not so much that that's my nice. bag, but that it's it's uh, it's sort of a solidarity thing. Like, yeah, I wrote the lyrics, you know, kind of about being yourself and being who you are. And um, mm -hmm. and then I put all this rainbow stuff in about the mirrors and your reflection. And I don't know, it turned into like, the, you know, like I didn't really mean it to be that way, but it, it came out that way. And I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm psyched. Cool. Because it's, it's, yeah. it's uh, you know, it's I hope it doesn't seem like politically incorrect or something, you know, but it's just the thing. Uh, you can't worry that, about that. Yeah, I'm not going to. But because um, come. He's going to put it out and see how it goes. I don't think people are yeah. going to take offense. Yeah, I don't think so either. But anyways, I'll uh, play it. You tell me what you think. Cool. I'm going to take my headphones off. What is the name of the song? Am I too late? The name of the song is Love Power. Love Power. This Love is Love Power. Power yep. By Josh Bowie, uh, Josh Bowie of uh, Unicorn Meadow. Unicorn Meadow. Let's see how it goes. Let's all go to the unicorn meadow I'll be me and you'll be you There'll be them, it's like the future And the past have met again Dude, that was fucking awesome. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. That's yeah. a great tune. And, and to hear you do it like just in acoustically and knowing unplugged, unplugged kind of live, that's really cool. 
definitely live. Okay. So what uh so in your final record of this song, what are you planning to do to it? The one I've I've got going right now, I I'm probably gonna change it and start over because uh Andy Sanaspago had some good suggestions and I'm gonna put those in. But um Nice. Yeah, there there's kind of a, a, a an effect on the vocal in the recording. There's kind of a like vocoder effect on the the verse part. So it sounds kind of like retro fu- oh. futuristic. And then um, <clears throat> yeah. there's many, I, I like to do a lot of layered vocals. So there's going to be like, like where I'll sing a lot of harmonies over it. So during the love power part, it'll be like love, love, uh-huh. love. And then my wife also sings on, uh, she sang on um, nice where I want to be. Um, and so she'll probably put some stuff in and I'm, I really want my daughter to sing. So I'm going to try to, she's, she's tough at, not to cry. Really? But I, That'd be yeah. Cool. Yeah. I yeah. think it'd be just, I just want everybody to sing. Like I, I would love to like send this track around and have like everybody I know just like sing right. love power, you know what I mean? And just have this right. like huge, oh, that's pretty cool. like this huge chorus, right. you know, just have- coming from everywhere. And uh, like an all you need kind of, yeah, moment. yeah, exactly. Because, because I don't know, oh, that's fucking awesome, dude. yeah, yeah. Totally so, that, that. that's why I'm excited about the song. I just feel like it's kind of of the moment, it's the thing that can help us. And it's it's corny, you know, like the other thing I've been embracing is this is corny is okay, you know. There's I have a lot of lyrics yeah. that I'm kind of like, can I really say that? Like, isn't that just like such a corny thing to say <laughs> but i don't care you know at this point in my life i'm just like i don't care what people think and i just want to say these things and i'm on board like, with you brother yeah, yeah. if you not? mean it it's not corny. right hopefully <laughs> i mean there's going to be some oh. things on this record that i might get made fun of about but that's okay i'm like kind of okay with it that's well, the risk of making any art i mean now yeah. you know what to me it is if i'm doing art and i get made fun of that's awesome at least people are checking it out yeah right and paying attention yeah exactly i mean that's, that's the whole thing i don't know I, you know i could say something really corny about like music and the universal note and all this stuff but um you know, I just feel like like music is this thing that has historically, you know, been a way for people to connect outside of the structures of society. You know, like back in the dark ages, right. you know, they weren't allowed to sing harmonies in the churches. You had to sing all the same note together. And harmonies were the devil's music. And then in the woods, there's all these minstrels running around and they're kind of like, you know, stealing food and playing and trying to get money where they can and they're the outlaws you know and they're and so they're like screw it right. we're gonna do harmony you know and so i feel like <laughs> yeah. there's this revolutionary aspect to music you know that can really change things yeah um, so it'd be nice to be part of that you know there was like some medieval simon and garfunkels running around the woods of freaking uh yeah england or something yeah (laughs) exactly like uh you know sherwood forest there'd be some minstrels they'd show up yeah they play for their supper and uh they could do whatever they wanted because they're you know the sheriff wasn't around what uh now you mentioned the universal note and then you decided to go away from it i want to come i want to what is Uh, the universal note? we don't know what that is okay this this gets kind of personal i hope that's okay yeah so i guess um where that comes from is my uh my stepdad um, was a Renaissance musicologist when I was growing up. And um, towards the and you know, so I was exposed to a lot of really cool music. Um, and, uh, you know, then I kind of went in the DIY rock and roll direction. And I, I never like went to music school or anything. But, you know, he had he had sort of explained a lot of stuff to me. You know, I didn't really know music theory, but I kind of understood music history. So before he died a couple of years ago um he was working on this book about the idea that there's a a universal tone or note or vibration that passes through the universe and and connects all things you know kind of this idea that there's a universal tone or frequency or resonance 
to existence. And, uh, you know, it's kind of right. philosophical, but, but it feels really true. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, because music is vibration. Yep. And so he felt that the ills of society could be solved by getting people to harmonize. And uh, he was really into the Appalachian shape singing. Do you know about Appalachian shape singing? Like he no. was, he was, no. a, he was a specialist in the improvisational techniques, like how they could all get together in the woods and play together using the same scales and the same figures and the same, you know, motifs. How could they do that without written music? And so that was the period when they were starting to write music and, you know, there are all these different methods of writing it down, but there was also these methods of, of improvising and together. And so that was kind of his bag was, was like, how do these people communicate with each other through gestures and the raised eyebrow, you know, while they're blown into their recorder? Um, how, how can they all be playing together? <laughs> and, so, <laughs> you know, yeah. so all that stuff. Um, so I always thought that was kind of neat. And, uh, yeah, so there's this idea that, that, that there's a social aspect to music, kind of like bird song, you know, connects the birds together and they can talk about what they're doing. Like for me, music was this incredible window into a world, you know, in the adult world when I was a teen, you know, it just has this sort of vastness to it that I, that I, that I really enjoy. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. It's like the easiest way to connect emotionally. Right. Know? And then to have the songs be about else. things that people can relate to. Well, I really hope everybody is listening to this uh, all the way through because, as usual, the best stuff is at the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, this is awesome. This is some awesome stuff. Yeah, Josh. Thanks. Uh, wow. I mean, that's pretty amazing, dude. Uh, like, this is why people should listen to the whole freaking episode. Because well, this I, is the yeah, goal. For all those people who are just tuning in right now and just listening to the last five minutes of the episode. Yeah, just listen to the whole thing. No, I mean... Like, I know you... I'm joking yeah. around. I think people listen to... to most people listen yeah. to the whole thing. Yeah, or 50% of the people listen to the whole thing. Yeah, they, or half of it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's the whole evangelical piece to it, you know, that there's sort of this, you know, I feel like there's some, like all the truths are coming home to roost, right? You know, like there's right. some sort of, we're, we're at this moment that's unique in history. That's for sure. All right, dude, tell us about your, uh, where they can find you on the web. Yeah, sure. So you can find Ultra Breakfast on Spotify. It's Ultra Breakfast, all one word, I believe. You can find some articles about us if you Google us. Um, and uh, let's see, that was 1997, so that was old stuff. Um, and then in the <laughs> uh, the 2000s, um, The Blind King existed and made two records. Um, one of them can be found on the Spencer Room Bandcamp page, which I'll mention in a second. Um the Blind King, Till You're Gone, can be found on Spotify. That was the second record. The first record can be found on the Spencer Room's Bandcap page. The Spencer Room is my recording studio and kind of collaboration um, art shed, but for music. Um, and uh, um, there's, uh, it's Bandcamp. I think it's thespencerroom.bandcamp.com. And then... Uh, if you want to uh, find out more, um, check out the Bandcamp, and you can see some of my electronic music under the name Phineas. There's some. Um, there's also other stuff on SoundCloud under Phineas. If you want to look that up, there's some guy who named his band Phineas Two, because I wouldn't give up the name. So yeah. I'm not that guy. And then, uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, and then and then there's uh, Billy Eilish's brother is named Phineas Two. So I I don't know what I'm gonna do with that. But yeah, I have about 10 years worth of weird electronic experimental music up there. And then um, you'll see the Blind King's first album up there on Bandcamp, also under the Spencer Room. So where's your album released? Well, I'm going to release it on Bandcamp um, initially. And then I'm also I'm going to distribute it using DistroKid. So that'll get it up on Spotify and YouTube and all the other things. So that's that seems to be the formula mm -hmm. these days. 
is to do Bandcamp plus DistroKid. And uh, you can find that under Unicorn Meadow, correct? That's right. The new the new record and the new project is called Unicorn Meadow and um, should be coming out in April. And this episode should come out coincidentally. Yeah, we'll release. coincide it. Yep. I just wanted to mention um, um, that I've been uh, working on, like I've recorded all the stuff here, and I've been working on mixing it with uh, my friend Adam Steinberg. I don't know if you remember the band Push Push. Used to be in Push Push. Uh-huh. He does a bunch of other stuff now, but um, yeah, he he's been helping me out with uh, the mixing, and it's I think it's really taking it there and making it kind of have some commercial appeal. I think it's really cool. Nice, excellent. I think we're going to wrap up the episode. Uh, Great. You can find my work at uh, andyresound.com. You can see links to my Twitter and Tumblr and Instagram there, and links to my YouTube channel where I do live drawings. Uh, Chris had to step out in the middle of this episode, so he's not here. He's at livefirecook.com. Yeah. Livefirecook at Instagram.com, I think. Abadcarl.com, madspiral.com, Carl Restino on Instagram and Facebook. And until next time, you can uh, leave or stay here, I guess. Oh, no, you can't stay here. You can't stay here. As the bartender likes to say. So thanks, Josh. Yeah, thanks, Josh, for uh, being on the show. Thanks to uh, Chris and Carl for helping host. Thanks to everyone listening. Thanks to uh, Ed Guild and, and uh, Anderson Spago for the Mad Carl stop. Uh, see you guys next week on the shed. Yeah, get out of the Spencer room. What the? Welcome Check out uh, Unicorn Meadow. Their album should be out. You should be able to go look online for it right now. If you like the stuff you heard today, just go check it out.